0: I have asked for this radio and television time.
1: I want to take this occasion to talk to you about what that law means to every American.
2: I have tried to educate. If I have not succeeded altogether, I have certainly educated myself.
0: I see a great nation upon a great continent blessed
3: with a great wealth of national resources. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ratified, a radio show on the intersection of business and policy. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And wow, these shows take uh, a lot longer to produce than I imagined. Sorry we're a little late on episode three, but when you dig into a niche topic... Uh, things get dicey. You got to get the right people on the show or else what's the point of even releasing it? So moving forward, we will do twice a month, sometimes three a month, uh, but basically every other Tuesday starting in the new year. Once we get settled in, I think we're picking back up on the 14th of January, but this should placate you for the holiday season. It's going to be a great episode and happy holidays. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. All of the above. Folks, if you are not already following us on social media, please give us a follow on at MarketScale. That is on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow us at MarketScale Radio. That is on iTunes and Spotify. You're going to find all of our solid original radio content on there, including but not limited to Ratified and Business Casual and the Mecca Minute and Diving into Data. So much good stuff. You should also give me a follow, because I love to tweet from my business account. That is at voiceofb2b. Again, that's at voiceofb2b. Shoot me ideas. My DMs are open. I am looking forward to covering more legislative topics as we get into 2020. It's a big election year, so, I mean, there's definitely going to be some uh, ratified conversations around some key legislation there, especially once we have two candidates in the general And uh, I would also love to dig into some of the niche topics in your industry. So shoot me a DM. Let's talk. All right, folks, this episode of the show is trying something new. It's a considerably more niche topic. I feel like I've said niche way too many times now. It's losing its value as a word. Uh, But whereas the last two of Ratified went a little larger in scale, right? We were hitting on the gig economy legislation AB5 in California as well as the state of net neutrality across the United States. This episode of Ratified is taking a look at the nitty gritty legislative back and forth of lobbying in the telecom and AV industries, specifically when we look at power over Ethernet cables. Wow, super niche. Why are we talking about this? Well, it's time for a quick Preamble. Let's dive in. So for a great in-depth primer on the conversations that I'm about to have, I recommend a commercial integrator article by Jonathan Blackwood. It's called, quote, How Cisco and the NSCA Saved the Industry. Little melodramatic, eh, maybe, maybe, but that'll be for you to decide after we hear from the NSCA and from a legislator in North Dakota to give you two solid sides to this very important issue. So, basically, in state-to-state, in 2019, legislative sessions across the board introduced new language that would have either subtly or drastically changed the dynamics of licensing requirements for electricians, and their tangential industries, like audiovisual and telecom. Lawmakers looked around at technology that they thought was new, or at least now more relevant in these industries, and decided, hey, you know what? It's time to rework licensing around low-voltage lighting, around IoT devices, and around power over Ethernet. The language was meant to keep everyone safe and adjust legal language for the times, as well as to meet some concerns brought forth by the electrical industry, by electricians themselves. If only it was all that simple, right? The different state bills immediately turned the heads of AV industry professionals, and uh, the heads were not turned out of excitement, not at all. Industry organizations like the NSCA, which is a commercial integrators trade organization, as well as Cedia, the residential integrators association, and industry giants like Cisco, all made their voice heard immediately. In their view, this legislation would kneecap the AV industry. The crux of the issue fell on PoE cables, or power over ethernet, and a supposed lack of knowledge around their specifics, from how safe they are to the literal installation process. So why does any of this matter? Well, power over Ethernet has exploded, and not literally or else we would be having a different conversation, but the industry has exploded in commercial building installations due to a growth in smart devices. Everything from light fixtures to HVAC to ceiling fans to badge readers, temperature sensors, that's just naming a few, but you can really get a sense for how integrated our commercial spaces are becoming. Your building today probably has some kind of IoT capability, and it's being run through power over ethernet. Not only is the cabling low voltage, but it's able to transmit both the needed power and the data over the same cable. Cost effective, safe, easy to install, right? Eh, lawmakers weren't so sure. In states like Arizona, Colorado, Florida, New York, Texas, and this is also just naming a few, bills were brought forward to rework electricians' licensing exemptions, to update required cable voltage limits, to create statewide licenses, and more, all of which had some kind of effect on integrators working with PoE, or Power Over Ethernet, cabling. Much of the legislation would have made it necessary to get an electrician's license to pull PoE cable. That's the big one here. Let me just say it again so it sticks in your brain. Much of the legislation would have made it necessary to get an electrician's license to pull PoE cable. If that change had been realized, integrators across the board were saying it would have caused irreparable damage to the industry. So, state houses became battlegrounds to save the AV industry. Melodramatic, again, but I'll let y'all decide how truthful that is. To really understand the intricacies of why these bills were seen as so disastrous by integrators, we're going to hear from both the industry and the lawmakers. I'm honing in on North Dakota, one of the states put on watch by the AV industry because of their Senate Bill 2359. We'll be chatting with Representative Keith Kempnick, one of the House co-sponsors of the bill, who will give us the state lawmakers' perspective on why the North Dakota bill was introduced in the first place, how electricians and integrators reacted, and the specifics of the back-and-forth lobbying to change the language. But first, we're going to be laying the groundwork for understanding the push, in the first place, from the AV industry. We're sitting down with Chuck Wilson, he's the executive director for the NSCA, which is the National Systems Contractors Association, one of the organizations that led the charge against these bills. With a deep understanding of the needs and direction of integrators and their industry, he gives us his perspective on the rift that these bills caused, how the NSCA organized to respond, and why electricians licenses pose a threat to low voltage cable pullers everywhere. And that's your preamble for today's episode. We'll be right back. Up next, Chuck Wilson. All right, we've got Chuck Wilson, Executive Director of the NSCA, on the line. Chuck, thank you so much for joining us on Ratified. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. All right, let's dig into the main course of the conversation here. We're going to be chatting about this swath of legislation that we saw from state to state uh, that was going to put some pressure on... Uh, POE cable installations, and just in general, uh, licensure requirements that would have put some strain on the AV industry, at least according to y'all and to Cisco and other integrators. That's why we're having you on the show. We want to break down the nitty gritty of this. So when did the NSCA first hear about the bills put forward by these state lawmakers? And what was the initial reaction uh, upon seeing that there were so many uh, from state to state?
1: Well, we we first knew something was up when the IEEE adopted a new standard basically for power over Ethernet. So we, we kind of anticipated um, it would have been about, what, 14 months ago, 15 months ago in uh, the prior year, September, is we knew that that standard was being adopted. We just didn't realize the, um, the resistance from um, other trades as far as us being involved in providing these connected devices that are now enabled to operate without having to be plugged into AC electrical power, let's say, is we can do a lot more with uh, just a wide variety of things with RFID readers and access control readers and um, loudspeakers and IP phone systems and remote security cameras, you name it. There's uh, access points. There's a lot of things that are POE enabled now that that weren't there before and with the increase in the power capability that's um, now a new standard is that that I think it created some tension between the connected technology environment and industry that I serve and that of the electrical community.
3: Interesting. So a lot of it you think was motivated because of some competing interests from these two industries, not so much uh, from the top down that it was the lawmakers, the uh, that, you know, introduced this, uh, on their own accord. It was more of an inter-industry dispute that then got brought to the legislative level. Yeah, I think so. You know,
1: when you think about it, um, like
3: POE
1: LED lighting, that I think that might've been one of the, the tipping points, if you will, that, that watershed moment where you start thinking about all that we can do with low voltage lighting. You combine that with all that we can do now with, uh, you know, low volt. We we can even you know power up a remote display, like for digital signage or whatever, without it having to be uh, powered via electrical power by the the AC power outlets in the in the rooms or whatever. And so when when that occurred, I think I think um, it created this regulatory environment where where people from other trades got with lawmakers to say, hey, we need to you know implement some legislation. That prevents these other industries from encroaching upon what is a traditional business model for the electrical community that would enable them to, you know, monopolize that work, if you will. And so, so I think that I think that had a lot to do with our the amount of uh, activity that we saw in the regulatory environment last year.
3: So, Chuck, thread the needle for me then from. Uh, these IEEE standards that um, allow for 100 watts of power over power over Ethernet cabling and the tension that was building uh, between integrators and electricians, how did that lead to actual language being brought to uh, state lawmakers? How did they get into the conversation who initiated that change, uh, and you know how did we end up with now several different bills across different states?
1: Yeah, so I think
3: I think what happened is that
1: um, you know everybody's everybody's looking at their scope of work. Everybody's looking at trade jurisdiction and and like what what type of of um, construction happens at a job site and who does what and you know our industry has been growing like crazy the technology the world of technology is just um, you know explosive growth in that area so what what has happened here is as technology has advanced it's really hard for everyone to keep up with how how much capability that things have and one thing led to another over this past decade to where we have created efficiencies it's it's primarily due to innovation of lighting uh fixtures you know having that same illuminate just like in your home where you would have far more illumination by drawing a lot less current or wattage um to provide that same amount of of light in in a space well that same analogy is is on the uh other technology devices like card readers and security cameras and um audio video equipment and and other things is we have been able to get more out of less, you know, I guess. And, and as we do, that is the, um, the adjacent industries are looking at that saying, okay, where do we fit in that world that of advanced technology? And there's two ways of going about, you know, inserting yourself into that, that new environment. And one, one way, um, in my opinion, not the best way. The best way is to prove your skills and add value and all that. But another way of doing it is to create licensure that would prevent other people from doing the work that has traditionally been in this particular sector. So what what we saw was one state after the other after the other had very similar language that uh, restricted, if you will, the amount of voltage and wattage levels that anyone other than a a licensed electrician would be able to work on and so when we saw that trend and we saw different voltage levels all over what we do is we continually go back to the national electrical code where it's very clear in uh, articles um 725 articles 800 and chapter you know like like we have different um Class two and class three wiring, where we know beyond any doubt whatsoever that that people that work in those types of systems that often they have um, you know exemptions to that license or have a low voltage license themselves. So, for in California, for example, is we uh, you know the low voltage industry has a license called a C seven license that defines the low voltage work that we do everything that is under that um, class two and class three wiring. And then people that are, have electrical license or that C10 license in California, then they work on things above a hundred volts, you know, the AC power wiring and things of that nature. So there's there's clear lines of demarcation. And what's, what's happened here um, is that when lighting becomes low voltage and electrical power or that electricity or the energy you need to power up these low voltage devices when that becomes part of the data cable then there's natural confusion between what is power and what is lighting compared to what is high voltage and what is low voltage if you will so just just due to evolution and technology advancements and this transformation of what all we can do that's when it created this gray area or this this area that that is up for negotiation in all of these these particular states.
3: Yeah I mean I think it's very interesting that you know the motivator for a lot of um these very business specific pieces of legislation really come from you know a a tension around change to industries or to tangential industries and wanting to to see states create, you know, some kind of safety net to help uh, keep those businesses intact, those industries intact as the market shifts. Um, Though, you know, I feel like those tensions are amplified, especially when you have really tough-to-understand language for these lawmakers. You know, when you get into the nitty-gritty of, Cat five, Cat six, of the voltage and the wattage of certain cables, and uh, you know how thick the cable needs to be for it to be um, to for for it to be safe, for it not to be a fire hazard. Uh, those things start to I think blend together for lawmakers that aren't electricians and you know don't study this kind of language as a living. Uh, so, do you feel like that adds another layer of confusion and issue? around uh you know trying to craft language that is representative of all parties yeah for sure you know and that you know i actually feel sorry for these lawmakers you know
1: (laughs) like if you think about it they're in many states they're they're teachers they're lawyers they're doctors they're ranchers or farmers or you know housewives and you know what whatever they are can now can you imagine what it must be like to have um someone from a particular industry especially a high tech industry like ours you know bombarding them with all these these data points and all the information about heat and distance and voltage and wattage and current and uh, i can't imagine what they go through to to listen to arguments and testimony that says this is you know one one group is saying this is extremely safe don't ever don't even think about worrying about any of this kind of thing that it doesn't take a licensed electrician to do that. You got the other group saying that, oh my goodness, you know, if it's not done by a a licensed electrician, everything is going to go wrong, and it's never going to work, and it's dangerous, and all that kind of stuff. And so the the thing is, is how do you how do you get to the truth of the matter when you've got two sides that are arguing based upon, you know, that that influence that they they'd like to see happen, and I. I I really do. I feel I feel sorry for people who aren't uh, electrical engineers or or people that have good knowledge of what what makes up the the main argument itself. I guess
3: a lot of the language in the uh, specific bills from state to state were focused on uh, basically reclassifying who and who isn't exempt from working on uh, certain integrations of certain wattage and voltage, uh, and who would need an electrician's license, therefore, to work on uh, these installations. Why are uh, electrician's licenses so unwanted for low-voltage integrators? Why not lean into some of these changes and say, okay, then how about just the whole industry adapts? takes on the license test becomes a licensed electrician and you know maybe that expands some of the work that the av and telecom industries are able to do why not go in that direction and instead uh basically work um against the language changes
1: yeah well that's that's a good question um and we get asked that question a lot too so so we have we have membership all over north america so so every state the uh you know the right to work states, the, the non-right to work states. We have we have um, a variety of of current licenses that we already operate under. What our main argument is from our membership is that we've already gone through all the training, all the requirements for the low voltage license. We've proven the safety thing over and over again. Is that we don't need to operate in an in a license and under the provision of a license that. Wasn't created by our industry for our industry, so a lot of a lot of the argument is basically um, how people believe regulation should apply to our industry in general. You know, should the industry regulate itself and train itself, and you know, kind of be the you know the thought leaders and the safety um, officers, if you will, of our own industry, or do we want to have you know an oversight group of people who don't aren't really reflective of what we do for a living we don't we don't do none of our members do any real electrical work per se they just operate in the voice video data life safety security all those things that are that are low voltage and so there's there's always been this either exemption if you will to the electrical um, licensure which many of our states have or the creation of a low voltage license just for people who do what we do so we have we have this entirely different industry we're not we're not really part of the electrical industry uh, we have our own master format divisions which is the definitive standard for how construction um, manuals are built and who does what on a construction project so we we have our own sections and divisions there and likewise we've had our own, um, licensure, or in some cases, an exemption to a license, where we self-police, you know, having the best practices and training and all that. So we, you know, we we don't look at it like, um, you know, that we should be underneath an electrical umbrella. We look at it like we will take care of our our technologies and allow for the advancement of technologies that's happening super fast, by the way. So we have to be nimble and be able to um, monitor and and uh, conduct our business in that technology space and do so in a way that we know that the pace of change is just incredibly fast and so you know it's just a you know it's it's like two very separate it'd be like it would be like the plumbers having to have an electrical license and or the electricians having to have a, a plumbing license it's just two very different industries altogether.
3: So then, Chuck, where do you suggest that the uh, AV industry or just integrators go moving forward with how they regulate themselves? If getting an electrician's license um, isn't the way forward and is uh, an overstep for what is needed to operate in this industry how do you recommend the industry moves forward? Do you think it should be uh, state-led or uh, you know, maybe even at a federal level for uh, creating some kind of standards and laws uh, for the entire industry? Do you think it should be self-regulated? And if you do think it should be self-regulated, can you point to any other industries that have succeeded in maintaining their standards uh, and their quality without needing any kind of legal framework uh, for getting to those standards? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, to me, I don't see what's wrong with
1: the way it's been. <laughs> you know, so we, if, if you think about it, we've been self-policing on the low voltage, um, in the low voltage environment for a long time, or in those states that are, that are more regulated is we already have licensure and we've already, you know, we've Look at all the time, the tests that it takes to get, become licensed and all that. So we've we've done a pretty good job, I think, of of being, um, you know, kind of self policing or self regulated. the The thing that's really working is is following the National Electrical Code. You know, so so if the easiest thing to do, and the cheapest and the most effective thing to do, I think, is to follow the federal. It, it would be great if we had just one federal standard for Um, policing this high voltage, low voltage, the wattage, you know, all the power stuff you're talking about, is we already have it in place though with the National Electrical Code. So if you look at class two and class three wiring, it already sets the definition for voltages. It sets how to do that, who needs to be, um, you know, trained on different things and what the articles are within it and how they work and how they're connected. All of that exists today what our philosophy is is why not just follow the code that is the predominant um, protection it's the you know it's designed by that or it's developed by the NFPA the National Fire Protection Association so the whole thing is wrapped around safety provisions and so why not just follow what we're already using today and then if a state feels like they're compelled to have uh, licensure based upon, you know, be it monitoring the professional business uh, dealings of a of a company, is then just utilize the licenses that already exist today. Which there's there's plenty of um, you know precedents for how to create a low voltage license in a state, and we we provide a lot of the training that that gives you the continuing education for that. So I I've never felt like there's any real need to make dramatic change. I think. I think where the change is being uh, created is from a sense of of protecting the scope of work or the amount of labor that was expended on a project, if you will, in the new construction environment where we don't need to have as much power provided to these, you know, there's estimated billions of devices that are going to be deployed in the next few years, is we don't need um, separate power sources for those, when we can power those right off of a, of a power over Ethernet switch or the the data switch that all the the um, data cables plug into, that power can be uh, sufficient and very, very safe going up to those connected devices so that there is no need to have additional labor and materials spent on a project that, that would provide that power anymore. And it's just it's just the, how, how the technology has advanced. It wasn't, it wasn't something that, that we had any intention of, of creating a new license or something for that. We're merely reacting to, the, to the, um, the activity we saw in the regulatory environment to try to license us out of doing that work that we've been doing for years.
3: Chuck, could you break down some of the nitty-gritty language that uh, was targeted from bill to bill and why? Uh, you know, I know some of the ones that stand out to me uh, were going uh, for Class 2 and Class 3 exemptions or you know, clarification around those exemptions, telecom exemptions, licensure requirements. Uh, which would have been the most damaging in your opinion? Uh, which did you target and why? Well, I
1: think I think Utah jumps out at me. You know, Utah—they had a a, um, a licensure update where uh, they basically tried to limit any of our members from doing work without be becoming a a um, master electrician or uh, having electrical contractor license or having people that were were um, um, electricians on a job site, and so that. That created a. Um, I think their voltage was up at like I don't know fifty volts or something like that. And so out there, what they were trying to do is to in buried in the regulations is to be able to to, um, to m- maintain that only an electrician could do the work that we've been doing out in Utah for years. So what we did was we just went in and we said, you know what, it would be better just to do a class two, class three, and a safety. Uh, exemption saying that if you're doing that, um, unless you're working on anything to do with with high voltage wiring, that you're exempt from any um, licensure requirement. And then other states like Texas, uh, that one, um, they had a 50 volt limit and 50 watt limit, and a lot of the new stuff that we're doing with this 100 watt POE would have required an electrician to do that. So a lot of it, um, um, and then Pennsylvania, then the the, the bill that they were talking about that actually stalled out, fortunately, that was a 10-volt limit. And so there's there's all the, and I I categorize it as unintended consequences. So so I don't think that the lawmakers had intended to prevent us from doing all that work that we've been doing for years. Like, um, you know, even the ring voltage on a standard, uh, you know, the old-fashioned telephones and stuff. When, when that phone rang, that was a 90-volt surge that would happen on that cable, and people plug those in themselves all day long, right? And so, they, so no one ever intended for loudspeaker circuits or any of those kind of things to fall under this licensure issue that was created. It was really created to, to say that power and lighting will always remain the work of an electrician, and so we're going to license it such that only electricians can do that but they've I, th- I think that that group that put forward that lighting was thinking about PoE and they weren't thinking about all the other circuits that exist today in a very safe and you know high order of magnitude level is those things are out there and people are working on those things every day in all these different states and so so i just think that there was a I think, I think this came about as a way to try to capture, if you will, using a regulatory move is to try to capture the business that was lighting and power and to maintain that, uh, it, that this one industry would, would be the ones doing that, not realizing that it impacted so many other things that were probably not thought through in terms of how it would change the scope of work for our entire industry, let's say, the technology-based industry.
3: So being that, in your opinion, uh, this was pushed forward by uh, tension from electricians and their industry, how did they react to the lobbying and the... um, you know, the the back and forth from the telecom and A V integrators. and you know, did you all find any common ground or was this an issue where there had to be a clear winner and loser?
1: Well I think I think there was a lot of common ground. Now now that we've now that we go back to the National Electrical Code, that's the common ground that we found in some states. So we just we just changed the exemption language to refer to class two and class three wiring and that that really worked out well the other states they died in committee once we presented our our testimony into you know there is there is no safety things whatsoever involved in this so so the safety issue we took that off the table right away and then we referred right back to the code so almost everything either turned into a study group being formed for future you know looks at this or to um you know like like sign in a law like north dakota signed in a a law that Would create a new power limited license, and that's the other way to go too. You know, is just create a license that says that if you're going to do work here, then let's create a license that's relevant to that. Most everything else just died in committee. That once they saw that that uh, you know there was a whole different side to this than what was originally presented, so it it's working out fine. And in almost every every state that we went and testified in. The end results just worked out fine where we found this common ground and referred back to the, you know, to the National Electrical Code, then then the issue was resolved.
3: All right. Chuck Wilson, executive director for the NSCA. Thank you so much for joining us on Ratified, giving us your perspective and your breakdown on this very niche issue. Uh, you know, I'm definitely glad that we're able to bring this to the Ratified crowd And I'm definitely going to be sourcing you for some more content here in the future. So I appreciate your time. Yeah, well, things move quickly. So uh, keep in mind, keep in mind all this Internet of Things,
1: all these sensors, all the issues like artificial intelligence and machine learning and uh, facial recognition issues. I mean, we're dealing with a ton of regulatory and big picture issues that tie into privacy and a variety of things. So this is just one of many things that are touching our regulatory environment and and cybersecurity and all this other stuff. So thank you for having me on and I, I certainly appreciate your time.
3: We'll be back in one second with our next guest on Ratified. are now on the line with Representative Keith Kempnick from District 39 in North Dakota. He is a state congressman. Keith, great to have you on. How are you doing?
0: Thanks a lot. No, not too bad. Uh, we've been uh... Uh having a little winter up here, uh, but uh, the today actually is pretty decent. We're in the mid-30s. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that is uh, blistering cold in Dallas, Texas. The fact that that's decent in North Dakota, I think, you know, says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Well, Representative Kempnick, uh, I appreciate your time on the radio show. Thank you for joining us on Ratified, and I'm excited to uh, dig in. So, again, we're speaking to a specific bill. It is called uh, Senate Bill 2359, it was introduced in this legislative session in 2019, so let's go ahead and jump in. How were you brought onto the bill in the first place as a co-sponsor? Is this an issue uh, or a sect of um, you know the business world in North Dakota that you typically follow or oversee, or was this an extenuating circumstance? Uh, how did you get brought on?
0: Well, basically it uh, got brought on during interim in uh, 2018 in visitation with the State Electrical Board and uh, of some of the issues that were we were coming up against uh, as far as getting um, employment are basically, uh, we're an oil patch out here, this western part of the North Dakota is where the Bakken's at. And uh, we were having issues of of getting uh, low voltage uh, uh, monitors and and uh, uh, equipment set into site locations, and so basically the the at a at a meeting we were at an interim meeting last uh, last interim, uh, this was brought up, uh, and uh, the 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 chief examiner is the one that kind of. Uh, got the, you know, we, we he brought it to my attention and then we started working on it and uh, kind of run out of time there before the session started and and then it, uh, that's why it's a Senate bill. But, uh, uh, and then um, Senator Kinane uh, uh, was the prime sponsor on it over there. And uh, he's an he's electrician or he's a journeyman, licensed journeyman. And so we, that was one of the concerns we had at the time was what, what the industry, you know, cause it is kind of a trade type industry, um, what they'd, uh, how they'd react to it, but it, it, it filled the need. And I think it also, it, this is providing a, a training ground for, for experience basically and stuff on it.
3: And so that's kind of the genesis behind this bill and what motivated the conversation around it in the first place? Why was it introduced in North Dakota? Uh, and why was it time to update the North Dakota Century Code with new uh, license definitions and requirements?
0: Well, I think one of the things that we was the the labor force availability in this area um, that uh, we, we're just uh, the way the way this has worked here, the last 10 years up here basically went from um, basically hardly anything uh, going on to everything going on. And that's basically what it was, was just a labor force shortage in this area, and especially on, 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 on in this avenue. Um, you know, we, we were trying to figure out a way to get, uh, like I said, this is dealing with low-voltage type, type applications. And uh, a lot of the monitoring systems on these well sites is, is that low voltage monitoring type systems and uh, they still need to be, uh, it still needs to have a, a, a licensed journeyman electrician uh, to kind of oversee stuff. But like I said, to, to uh, put the application or to install it, uh, didn't need a licensed uh, electrician to do that. And so that's basically uh, what, what this bill w- was doing and will do.
3: I feel like there was a lot of tension uh, from state to state due to the electrical industry feeling like some of the technology that was becoming readily available – power over Ethernet becoming more powerful – uh, would you know, dilute their share of the market for you know, creating and installing anything from light fixtures to temperature apparatuses, sensors, kind of this push into the IoT world we're talking about. Is that the same kind of motivation that you think created some of the tension um, that brought these changes in this bill forward? Or is North Dakota's case a little different or more unique?
0: Well, I, I think uh, you know. You brought that up. Um, uh, the, I, you know, in a way, it's 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 unique. Although it does affect the whole state, um, I, I think one of you know one of the things is is that there is you, you still aren't getting around uh, uh, a licensed electrician being involved in this. Uh, the, but the the thing is, is that we were in a way we're probably a little unique. Um, we don't probably have the building. Um, uh, development in, in this state and areas we did, are, you know, but it isn't as, as broad as some other states. And I think that's one of the things. And no, there was a little bit of contentious about, you know, whose fences were tearing down. And in, in a way, I don't think we are tearing down anybody's fences. And I don't think we're prohibited anybody from doing the things that they were normally doing in the past with this. But it does, um, uh, you know, we were trying to tailor it, and I think it is pretty well tailored to mainly oil field type application.
3: Yeah, I mean, that kind of oil field dynamic is one that I think is very unique to North Dakota. uh, Based on some of the other integrator conversations I was having, um, you know, refining um, state electrical exemptions and uh, licensure requirements weren't motivated by that side of the industry. So I feel like that in and of itself creates a unique dynamic, uh, but still creates some of the same tension that we saw uh, across the board, which was integrators feeling like um, these changes to licensure exemptions and the language around them would limit the amount of work that they could do as power over Ethernet continued to grow. So in North Dakota specifically, what sort of language was targeted by you and your colleagues as you looked to update this North Dakota Century Code uh, with those new license definitions and requirements for the electricians and for power-limited technicians? Was there anything that stood out as particularly important?
0: Well, that's the thing when you when you're doing legislation like this, you, you have to leave it up to a certain amount up to what the board rules are. and that's kind of where we where we did this. Um, you know that, that the board's got to go through when they when they do administrative rules, they got to go through an interim committee to to make sure it follows the intent of what we were trying to, the, the legislature was trying to do. But we can't you know when you get into uh, legislation like this, um, basically, it's enabling, and then the, the electrical board has to, has to put some rules in place of how they want to specifically get into the details of how they want it to, to work. Um, that's that becomes you know people that are more knowledgeable than I am and stuff and that was that's usually what we do is to keep it you know you got to have it broad enough so it's workable so we don't to change something you don't have to have a legislative hearing every time to change something but we do oversee you know that it stays with the intent I like I said I don't think the intent was was to to get into other fields it was mainly aimed at, at this particular area um, granted you could and you could, Look at it; that it would affect, you know, some other parts of of um, uh, of an industry and stuff on it. But I think it's it's how each state would want. You know, I can see in other states where this would be a problem. Uh, you know, especially more urban type, where you got different uh, operation. You know, like you said, more doing with home type uh, installation of of fixtures and stuff like that. But it, but this was more aimed at, and like I said, the rules. Uh, are aimed more towards uh, low voltage monitoring um, uh, and uh, uh, installation on oil field sites and they you know and, and on the other hand uh, you, you, you know you could say well, we've tied some hands on on some of these other industries, but I don't think the rules uh, the rules are more are aimed to what we were targeting and what the intent of the legislation was
3: so after you introduced this revised code for low voltage installations in oil fields how did av and telecom integrators respond to those proposed changes and uh, you know i have a feeling they challenged some of it uh, if so what did they challenge and why
0: well i think i think one of the things was the, you know there and there was some concern about what uh, their technicians would um, have to have to what hoops their technicians would have to jump through, but I think uh, the way we've kind of, the way it was kind of structured, and the intent was was that that they they would be basically if this was if that was part of their uh, normal operations in the past, it wouldn't change. And like I said, it, you know, it, it, there always becomes interpretation of, of how things. Work and uh, but with this bill, um, the intent was and, and uh, was pretty much reaffirmed when we were uh, dealing, you know, talking to the, the, the chief uh, electrician uh, of the board um, that you know, when they made the rules, that this was aimed pretty specifically at one area.
3: I know that the NSCA and organizations like Cisco yep. and other Hands-y. smaller integrators yep. uh, got in on the discussion. Yep. could you get into the specifics of that back and forth for me? Uh, you know how do you approach finding common ground to revise these electrician requirements these low voltage requirements um, you know it, Tell me a little bit about some of the specific language they wanted changed how you went about finding the right language uh, give us that nitty-gritty well
0: it was basically working through the 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 state and or the state electrical board you know we brought their concerns into place and the way the 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 language got crafted was to keep to keep pretty much what you know, other parts of the the industry that deal in this uh, low voltage, you know, monitoring type in, installation, phone uh, to keep that out of of this conversation. And so, it, you know, granted, you know, I think their worry was that, that they were gonna, you know, they were gonna have to start dealing with this electrical board. And uh, but the way the way we've kind of structured that, um, that they if they were if they had that in the past, that this wasn't gonna be part of their that this wasn't going to be part of their their requirements to to participate in this. Uh, and so that's what, like I said, it, it comes down to, you know, like when you read the bill, it, it comes down to what the board, you know, what kind of rules the board is going to put in place with this. Uh, and uh, like I said, it, it isn't going to, uh, you know, I don't think it was as onerous as, as what some people would like to think it would do. And um, so far, I haven't heard a lot of complaints about how it's been working, you know, and truthfully, I don't, you know, I haven't talked to the state electrical board about what kind of, uh, uh, you know, what they've seen out there and stuff on it. But in the process, uh, you know, in one way, we've probably legalized something that they were doing beforehand that was, you know, they only needed a journeyman electrician doing it out on those on those sites. And so, and you know, and we're trying to uh, the way it's structured, we're we're staying within the ANSI standards of of, uh, of that because it it does require some oversight and stuff on it. And I think that's truthfully was probably a bigger conversation piece of of, of the, the the discussion than it was what how it impacted other industries.
3: In North Dakota, do you find that as um, the capabilities of IoT and uh, power over Ethernet increase, uh, has there been any tension between electricians and integrators as they try to decide who is going to take on this work? Uh, and, you know, as, as they compete for some of the same kind of installations, such as lighting fixtures, is that tension happening in North Dakota
0: no, we haven't seen much of that so far and stuff on it, but I can see your point because it, you know, this is a rural state, so we, we don't, you know, for the most part, uh, we we haven't had a lot of those conversations. Um, I can see, you know, as as technology uh, becomes more, you know, the self-automated houses and, and stuff like that where you're going to get more and more into this. Um we haven't truthfully haven't really got into that deep on that, and that's one of the things you know, like you know, going back because uh, it's something I know about is like well sites is um, truthfully um, a lot of these well sites in North Dakota are monitored in Fort Worth or Dallas from some corporate headquarter of one of the operators. I, I I'm I was hauled oil in the past uh, off of these locations and the the monitoring systems they have and and the technology they have out there like i said they can start and shut wells off um, from houston or dallas or fort worth wherever wherever the control center is uh, then not they they just don't have to be local local people to do that so there is that monitoring system and that that's mostly what we're looking at and i can see the point of um, of other other parts of um, you know technology uh being more integrated in this but uh, right now um there might be some manufacturing and stuff but we've already like i said in north dakota we've, we've we've there is kind of boundary lines now on how you know the, the, the telecoms work and, and the, the IOUs on electricity and, and the, the co-ops um, uh, work with electricity, you know, we got, because we, we had some big fights here a few years ago between the IOUs and the co-ops on who's going to deliver power uh oh, you know especially on some of these more growing cities and stuff on it and uh I, that was when they came we it festered for quite a few years until they finally decided the industry itself and the players got together and and figured out a workable solution and and truthfully we haven't had a lot of issues since and and this is going to have to be kind of the same way with this as technology changes because we we're trying to keep the rural up to speed just as much as the urban areas in the state. And uh, so so it's something But that we're going to probably have to cross that bridge at some point. But right now, um, we haven't had that big of an issue with
3: this. So after all the back and forth and the lobbying from... Uh several different parties how did you finally respond with the final language in the bill where did lawmakers give some ground where did you stay steadfast and and how are integrators and electricians responding to uh, the finalized update
0: um, when it got to the house by the time it got to the house side we we pretty much got the got the language down to where we where we wanted it uh, you know what we were looking at was was an ongoing you know study this some more uh try to figure out um where where we needed to change some of this and uh, that you know that's kind of where this thing's at yet i mean it's still a it's still a, a you know it's it's still something that we we uh, need to need to get a better handle on and stuff on it and uh, that's what that's where that's kind of where it's at right now and stuff on it is to is to look at the look at the you know the regulations and the scope of of practice with this and and leave it up to the basically leave it up to the uh, electrical board to 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 manage this for right now and stuff on it because it I think the biggest, the biggest, the biggest argument was was how to how to it's kind of like what you're saying is is that how to uh, 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 get get this so it works for everybody you know and stuff on it and uh, so um, at the end of the day um, we we're basically you know going to leave it up to the electrical board uh, you know to, to manage it and then come see if we can't come up with some better better actions. Um, uh, in the interim here and stuff on it because i I think that uh, one of the one of the biggest issues is is, is how to keep this in uh, this industry that we have up here and and keep up with technology
3: and Keith, just to end on a more general level uh and to get your uh your thoughts on the dynamics of being a state representative, how do you personally balance when you're in those tense kind of lobbying situations, staying true to a pretense of moral judgment or vision behind the legislation you're trying to push, and also, uh, you know, bending to the interests or the needs of the industries that are, uh, you know, lobbying against some of those changes. So how, you know, maybe to summarize, how do you pick and choose your battles when you're approaching something like this?
0: Well, I think basically when when you get into something like this, it's, it's, you know, Truthfully, you, you got to step back, and I'm not probably the expert to be talking about, but we do have to to look at it, and then we you know we get a better understanding of what's going on with it, and and that's studying it during the interim, and then come up with a better version if if that's what we need to do um, to uh, because like I said, the electrical industry wasn't the wasn't the biggest. Uh, opponent of this it was it was more of what you were arguing about was the was the technology side of the coin and different different aspects of of it and that's where that's where i think we need to we need to get better a better understanding of of what we're what we're doing and stuff on it and like i said I'm, it'll be back again because it, it it is something that needs to be addressed and and it is a broader issue than uh, than uh, just the oil, you know. This was this was aimed at the oil industry. There's no doubt about it. And uh, um, the, but the thing is, is that we've got you know the way the way the, lec- the electrical system works is you you got apprentice, you got, and then you you got to have so many years of that, and then you got uh, basically a journeyman or class B type. That's what we were trying to do: is get another level between apprentice. And uh, journeyman electrician is basically what we were attempting to do here and stuff on it. And, uh, and then, you know, and then, like I said, in these power limited or these, um, you know, basically low voltage type technician. But, it, but I think it is, it, it's probably going to, because if you don't have anything in place, um, it, it does become an issue uh, down the road as, as especially technology changes Um, we, you without the right education and the right knowledge, you do run into some problems, uh, you know, maybe, and I think that's kind of like this bill was kind of, you know, we run into some where people are, you know, there's industries that are kind of, you know, they're, they're on the edge of, of what can and can't happen and stuff on it. And I think that's one of the things that we're going to have to look at a little better is to see what kind of, um. Uh, impacts it's going to have and stuff, and like I said, it, there's always uh, we're going to wind up doing this again. Uh, the, you know, there'll be a bill in again to to um, uh, straighten, you know, try to straighten this out and and see where we're see where we're at with it because it is it is a, the, an important industry uh, as far as uh, keeping things rolling and stuff on it, and yet it, it it's something that we don't need to to have you know a journeyman style type electrician installing these things and stuff on it and so that's that's one of the things that I you know that like I said we we're trying to make that next class or getting between apprentice and journeyman because there is when you look at the requirements and stuff in this state anyways it is a pretty wide gap between apprentice and, and journeyman and we we seem to be retiring a lot, a lot of the journeyman type electricians are retiring and, and that's where you're getting into issues too is just labor force.
3: I feel like North Dakota is in a uh, particularly interesting situation for uh, legislation like this because not only are you having to deal with the fast-paced changes uh, of the IOT industry and the kind of opportunities that come with Expanding power over Ethernet reach and different commercial uh, and residential building installations, but also uh, the fact that it's tied into the oil industry in North Dakota. Uh, another industry that is seeing a boom in the United States, um, you know, even amid some larger green conversations we're seeing as an economy and as a society, uh, you know, we're still having a-, a booming oil industry and the technology that powers that industry obviously is going to grow alongside of it. So, yeah, I feel like this probably isn't the end of this uh this language and refining some of the licensure exemptions for electricians and low voltage integrators. So we'll definitely continue to be in touch as this particular bill and more bills across the state level continue to try to refine that language. So again, Keith Kempnick, representative for District 39 in North Dakota, thank you so much for joining us on Ratified. Always a pleasure getting to chat and looking forward to chatting again soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Daniel. All right, those are our main pieces of conversation for today's episode of Ratified. Again, we heard from Chuck Wilson and Representative Keith Kempnick. And now we got to do our outro, our bare brief with the very own Market Scales, John Bear. I was trying to think
2: of a a nickname off the top of my head. We're gonna do that but... over. <laughs> okay. Let me try again. Or we could just leave it as is. Uh, I'll tell you what. I bet that the audience would appreciate you being awkward for once. Probably. Daniel.
3: You know what? I I'm uh I'm just too buttoned up all the time. I gotta let loose.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, coming from a fellow awkward person, I swear, a lot of the time I think that I'm just like Mark Zuckerberg. You Ooh, know, I'm basically like a robot, and I have the human.txt file down quite well, but every once in a while, the code just glitches and something comes out. Well, let's hope you don't ruin uh, social discourse quite as much as Mr. Mark Zuckerberg. I can't say that I ruin social discourse quite as much as Mark Zuckerberg. You know, maybe one in ten times as many.
3: One in ten. Well, hey, that's still pretty damaging, so good, to you. good for you, John. <laughs> All right. So bear brief after hearing from Chuck Wilson and Keith Kempnick, John, what are your initial
2: thoughts off the top of your head? Hot take. I think this is something we're going to hear over and over and over again as we do more episodes of Ratified and we dig into, you know, whether it's niche or whether it's general industry topics with regards to regulation. And it's that, uh, you know, how do you approach a piece of regulation so that it cuts very narrowly in certain circumstances, but at the same time is broadly applicable. Um, you know the interesting thing here, and uh, you know, really throw it back to that grand old analogy, or maybe a better set as a metaphor. That uh, you know, when you become expert in something, you choose to become expert in one thing to the detriment of knowledge of all else. And I think that what we're seeing here is, or rather, hearing here is very much in line with that mantra. Uh, specifically, because when you have somebody like Chuck, who is a representative from the NSCA. Um, obviously extraordinarily well versed in his industry. He is expert in this thing. um, And so he has all sorts of fabulous ideas for how to apply regulation to his industry. And those ideas help to cut very narrowly and very, very specifically to that industry. But when you take the broader legislative perspective, you're not just balancing integrators or the av industry you're balancing them and electricians and everybody else and so it kind of becomes a question of okay so where does this train need to get off you know everywhere has got to have a stop Um, it's not always going to be in the perfect place Uh, you know legislative bodies have broad constitutional power to create legislation that they believe to be in the best interests of people. And you know, barring 14th Amendment violations or First Amendment violations, (laughs) there's really not much you can do about it. And so, I mean, I guess that's why folks like the NSCA exist. Uh, But at the same time, it's just a very interesting tension and dichotomy. And, uh, you know, frankly, I think in a plural view, it's probably really good for our democracy as a whole over time that we have these kinds of debates and conversations. It can only lead to more informed electorates It can only lead to better regulations that more accurately cut at what needs to be actually legislated.
3: You know, what I uh, found most interesting was that a big catalyst for the tension in the first place came from electricians Mm. who um, basically saw new standards come down from the industry saying basically – power over ethernet could replace ac power for some major installations Mm -hmm. that are standards such as led lighting um smart lighting uh those are really the main ones (laughs) led lighting and smart lighting yeah but uh the fact that you know electricians were feeling the heat and they didn't want the av industry to eat up you know their share of the market i think makes sense uh however I guess some would argue that what should really happen is, you know, you got to let the market decide, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, I don't know how much I subscribe to complete free market fundamentalism, but uh, I think in this case, uh, I would like to see legislation that supports electricians because it's not like we want to lose electricians. Uh, However, I do think at least in heavily populated urban areas – we're going to see more of this dynamic where commercial buildings go full IoT, mm-hmm. and they hire AV integrators, basically, to do the wiring because it's power over Ethernet, it's low voltage, it's easier, it's simpler, uh, and probably cheaper. Mm-hmm. So how do electricians respond? I would say, electricians, it's time to expand your portfolio. Get into you know power over Ethernet. Expand and adapt to the changing times because I think legislation to keep uh, antiquated uh, systems in place doesn't really benefit anyone. Uh, If anything, it just kind of forces us to stick with something that maybe we've improved upon, but I don't want to leave anyone behind, right? We don't want to leave the workers behind. We don't want to
2: leave electricians behind. Yeah, that's I mean, my hot take. I, I have to agree with you. At the end of the day, um, you know I think it is a very complicated issue. Um, you know I am hesitant also to just kind of throw out a blanket opinion on it, uh, but it's as you say. You know regulation of that order, um, you know the order that is preserving an old guard does necessarily curtail technological innovation and it curtails market growth, um, and you know to a certain extent. Um, not being an economist so i apologize to all economists (laughs) out there that are probably scratching their head like what is this guy saying uh to a certain extent it is going to have a you know detrimental effect on the economy and you know we'll see that in gdp perhaps uh you know but you'll we'll definitely see it in the electrician market i for one like to be able to go home and have my lights turn on when i flip a switch clearly they render an incredibly important service to our way of life um, I think that you're absolutely correct, though. If you're not adapting to the times, um, you know, then you're going to necessarily become a dinosaur. Uh, either get busy living or get busy dying. And with that said, I think that uh, we're probably taking what might be called a magnanimous viewpoint, although I'm certain that electricians mm. are probably not going to be too happy about it. I think the industry is in a point
3: of flux. And like Keith Kempnick said... Next legislative cycle, we're probably going to see something like this pop up again because there's going to be more innovation in power over Ethernet cabling. The industry will change in two years. It'll either get more robust or we might get a new, you know, whatever, Cat 7, right? Mm. (laughs) Cat 8, maybe we're at Cat 12 by then, who knows? But the standards will always change, and I feel like this is one of those issues where Uh, You know, it's so fundamental to our commercial installations that there's no way to avoid the conversation. So how can integrators and electricians adapt, stay afloat, and how can we support them through the legislation, not pit them against each other? That's what I would challenge both the industries and legislators to do moving forward. So looking forward to seeing how this pans out in North Dakota and New York and Texas, Florida, Arizona, Utah, all those big ones. All right, Bear Brief. Thank you so much. Always appreciate it. Likewise, Daniel, thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Ratified. Hope you enjoyed this more niche dive into something uh, a little different. We did big picture stuff. We tried something small. And 2020 is going to be chock full of everything in between. I'm really excited for the lineup of legislation and of issues that I'm wanting to explore. Like I said, 2020 is a hot one. We're getting close. That means we're probably going to have some election coverage to some capacity. Looking forward to that as well. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening along. Make sure you leave a rating, leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. Make sure you subscribe to Market Scale Radio on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you give me a follow at The Voice of B2B. And I will see you in 2020 with another episode of Ratified. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Peace and love.